Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beautiful day, Mother's Day, right? A day in which we, we appreciate our mother, we appreciate all these things that our mother has done for us, especially give us that gift of life which we so cherish today. And so if I can have all mothers or soon-to-be mothers to please stand. Don't be shy, stand. Good, good. I know there's more, there's more. Good. <laughs> This is a day in which we honor you, right? And this is a day in which we honor you who have brought life into this world. And what I want us to understand here is Jesus has some very choice words, especially for those women who have given birth. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her hour has come. A woman giving, giving birth to a child has pain because her hour has come. It's at that moment that our hour to deliver has come. But when her baby has come, she forgets the anguish, the pain, because of her joy that a child is born. Jesus says these words today in the Gospel, and they're words which strike us to the core. We know how beautiful it is, the gift of life is, and we see that the, the, the childbirth, the, the process of it is a very painful one, but one that in the end, is overcoming anything that we could have ever imagined. Overcomes any pain, any sorrow that we could have ever imagined. What Jesus has, what Jesus tells the disciples today is this. As they're confused, as they always are, they're confused about what Jesus is saying. This is right before he goes up to his crucifixion, and he keeps speaking to them, and they're quite not, they're, as always, they're not getting the full picture. But it's just like us who don't quite get the full picture. Here's Jesus walking up to his death. He's going up to his trial. He's walking up to his crucifixion. And he says, here I am. You will see me now. Here I am. But in a little while you will not see me. But in a little while you will see me. Of course, they're confused. Now, you have the disciples asking, what do you mean? And Jesus begins to foretell his crucifixion. He begins to foretell that they are going to go through tough times. And Jesus says, before your joy is turned, before your sorrow is turned to joy, you will undergo more tough times. It's not just going to be a one time and done, but it's going to be an even greater persecution. It's going to be an even greater trial. It's going to be even greater sorrow. Before that sorrow turns into joy. For the Christian, we're always going to undergo sorrow. We're always going to undergo this absence of good. This good that might not be in our lives at this very moment. Instead, it will be filled with tribulation. It will be filled with pain. It will be filled with sorrow. And Jesus says sometimes that sorrow might get even worse. He says in most cases it does get worse. And sometimes we feel like that. In our hearts we feel like, God, why have I gotten the short end of the stick? Why have I been dealt such a bad hand? Why is everything bad happening to me? And that is at that moment where we are to cast our eyes on Jesus. And God gives us two sources of help that helps us to always cast our eyes on Jesus even when the going gets tough. The first is Mother Mary. When we look at Mother Mary in our lives, especially when we're analyzing this passage that says, when it comes time for a woman to give birth, the word used here is the hour. When the hour has come for that woman to give birth, she will experience much grieving. 
This hour is connected to the crucifixion of Jesus. His final hour on earth. His final hour of his crucifixion. His final hour before he dies. And when we take a look at that final hour, when we cast our minds back four weeks ago to Good Friday, we remember that mother who was there. That mother who stood by the side of the cross, who stood weeping. That her son was being crucified, that her son was being killed, that her son was being given for all of humanity in the worst possible way you can imagine. Here is Mother Mary in that final hour. And in that final hour, Jesus looks at Mary and looks at the beloved disciple John and says to John, Behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And it's at that moment that Mary adopts all of us. In a certain sense, gives birth to all of us as her spiritual children. At that exact moment, when Jesus gives her over to us. And so how much more should we honor Mary? How much more should we honor Mary in our daily lives, especially this being the month of May, the month of Mary? How much more should we honor our lives that Jesus has given her to us as that help to find Him in this world of so much darkness, of so much suffering, of so much chaos, of so much addictions, of so much depression, of the list goes on and on and on, of so much confusion. How much more should we look to her as our spiritual help, as our mother who wants nothing but the best for us, as our mother who wants to guide us to the true source of light, to Jesus. That is our mother that God gives us. That is the help that He gives us, and that is the maternal care of a mother, that is the beautiful, beautiful bond between a mother and her child that cannot be explained, impossible to explain. And yet, Jesus gives this great gift to us, even though we are undeserving, so that we can find our way to that true source of light. I want to move on to the second. Second source of help that God gives us, the second source of help that Jesus Christ himself establishes for us, and that is the church. The church is sometimes called our mother. The church has this care for us, and has seen so much happen within her lifetime, 2,000 years of a lifetime, that it knows a thing or two about a thing or two. And this is where we go whenever we follow the direction of the Gospels, the direction of our beloved Bishop Francis, our beloved Pope, our beloved Patriarch. We are to follow them as shepherds who are leading us in the name of the Church, our Mother. But the Church, our Mother has always been misunderstood. Has always been kind of painted in this dark light, this light that is just never going to kind of progress, this light that is just like stuck in the old days. And why does it even believe such and such? Why can't it just get with the time? Bishop Fulton Sheen used to say, there are not, there are not one million people who hate the church for believing what a church, but it's one million people who don't understand what the church teaches and hate it for all the wrong reasons. But when we understand what the church teaches us, we understand that the church wants, as Mary does, to guide us to Jesus. And the reason why it teaches us these things is because it wants us to understand the beauty of life in everyday life. 
I want to read a poem. A poem that really kind of strikes to the heart of what motherhood is about, and one that really shows us the beauty of motherhood that goes missing in this materialistic world that kind of throws motherhood as kind of a throwaway thing. Here's the poem. The most important person on earth is a mother. She cannot claim the honor of having built great cathedrals like Notre Dame. She need not. She has built something more magnificent than any cathedral or church. She has built a dwelling for an immortal soul. The tiny perfection of her baby's body. Not even the angels have been blessed with such a blessing or a grace. They cannot share in God's creative miracle to bring new saints to heaven. Only a human mother can. Mothers are closer to God, the Creator, than any other creature on earth. God joins forces with mothers in performing this act of creation. What on God's good earth is more glorious than this? To be a mother. This is written by this bishop who was alive during the 1940s, the 1950s, the 1960s, and really underwent many persecutions of the church. Here he is fighting Nazism and the Nazis in prison. After the Nazis fall, after German Nazi fall, there is the communists who come in, and we all know the communists tried to kind of tear down religion, and he is tortured, he's beaten, and he's under house arrest for the next 15 years of his life. And in those 15 years of his life, he still holds true to what the church teaches. The church always says that the family, who is in front of us, so beautifully put in front of us, the family is the most important thing that we can experience. And whenever it is that society tries to attack the, the family, the church steps in, and that's exactly what happened this week. Our prayers for the past 40, 40 50 years of Roe v. Wade have finally been answered and the decision to strike it down, the leaked draft, right? So here are our prayers that have finally been answered. Never thought it happened in our lifetime, but it's happened. God is answering our prayers. The more we pray, the more in which we understand what it is that God's plan is in this world. But my brothers and sisters, stick close to the church. Stick close to the church which paints this beauty of motherhood in something that is so forgotten in the world today. I never thought I'd live to see a society that kind of laughs and pokes fun at babies being killed in the womb and then gets upset when you call them the wrong pronoun. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't absolutely make sense to me, but this is the direction our world is heading. It's a constant attack on motherhood. It's a constant attack on the family. You don't have to look very far. In the 1960s, there was a pope who came out and everyone thought he'd approve contraception. They thought the church was going along with the times, he's going to approve contraception. In 1968, he says, I'm not going to approve contraception for use in the church. He says, if I approve contraception, four things are going to happen in the future and will lead to the destruction of society. These four things he talks about. The first, he says, there's going to be a general lowering of moral standards. Nobody's going to begin to understand anything about morality, about right and wrong. No one's going to understand between right and wrong because everything becomes just so diluted. That's exactly what's happening today. He says there's going to be a rise in infidelity 
and illegitimate childbirths, children born out of wedlock, spouses being unfaithful to one another. In the 1960s, only 5% of all births in America were to unmarried women. Today, around 40% is the number. In 19, in, he says then that in 1960, three-quarters of all households were to married families. And today, only about half of them are to married families. America is starting to really fall in, its, in what it holds as the ideal. What it holds as the ideal of marriage. He says, there's going to be a reduction of women to objects in order to only satisfy men. You don't have to look very far. Look at the internet. Look at all these things that are out there. Lastly, he said there's going to be more government programs that endorse things like abortions and contraception and things of that nature, which only adds fuel to the fire. My brothers and sisters, stay awake. Stay awake as to what is going on around you and stay faithful to the church and follow Mother Mary with all your heart. And I promise you, you will not be led astray. You will not be led astray if you follow those two guides because ultimately they're there to lead you to Jesus and no one else. Amen?